0: You are listening to Eleven O'clock Comics, Episode Ten.
1: And the.
0: Hello, and welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. I am the jet-lagged Vince B. <laughs> I
2: am uh, Christopher nesman
3: I am the already buzzed David Price. And I'm Ben Grimm.
0: We'll, you, you, we, we'll call you the tardy-ass Ben Grimm, because you, <laughs> you, 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 you dragged your sorry ass in here ten minutes late. 11
2: O'Clock late. Comics, not 1108 that's, Comics. That's right. We I was
0: dis close to getting mike sims on the thing in fact i had his name clicked in the skype list i was like i'm gonna get mike in that's it we'll fix his ass
3: As <laughs> uh, uh, no. a quick businessman, you know it's fast turnaround time
0: you are allowed to call me or email me if you're worried about me oh yeah we can do that but that would be too easy
3: yeah <laughs> that'd be common <laughs> sense
0: of consideration come on
3: now. It, was,
2: it. it was easier to start looking for a replacement <laughs> i
0: had what, to reboot sorry t- today today's dump on wood day I guess. Ah.
2: Yeah. The
4: market dumped all over me all day, so you don't need to. Oh.
0: Well, that's okay. The uh, plunge protection uh, team will get their, their butts in there and make everything all right. All right. That's what they do. Just print more. That's what happens.
2: Well, should, we, uh, should we get the, uh, the drink roll call out of the way here?
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I <don't laughs> what's what's with
3: that? What is well,
2: that because,
0: because I feel bad because I drink the same shit every week.
2: Uh, so make, make shit longer. up.
0: I, I like to be spontaneous. <laughs> okay, in in the words of the immortal Ike Willis, I am Drinkum, the George Killiam Red.
2: Oh,
0: yes, Swillum. I'm Swillum in it. Okay,
2: <laughs> Mr. Price.
3: Uh, oh, I I swallowed i finished off some cranberry juice when i got home yeah. so i hey, <laughs> hey I don't, don't, don't spit it out man that, that that's wasteful i uh i i had to finish off some cranberry juice so i threw some vodka in there but i'm i'm uh i'm having a uh, negro modelo and a uh in one hand and some uh, scotch and ginger ale in the other hey now
0: wow negro mo- nice. negro modelo is that like black model
3: it's uh, it's 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 imported from Mexico, and oh, it's geez. it is a dark beer. It's the only dark beer that I really like. Wow, it's very tasty, nice.
2: It's, it's a, a tasty beer. I uh-huh. do enjoy that mm-hmm. absolutely. And the,
3: and 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 the comic connection. Not before I get to Chris is uh, I actually I had it for the first time at Flat Iron Joe's, the uh, the bar that Casada used to own. That and I had it the first and the first time I had it was at the uh, Mike Waringo tribute back in August.
2: Wow, look at you! That was very nice. All right, Mister Wood.
4: I am drinking a black and tan right Ooh, now. Okay, very tasty. Mm-hmm. Homemade, I might add.
2: Wow! Oh, oh, very nice. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm drinking a nice big old glass of water. I'm, I'm drying out, guys. <laughs> Shit!
5: Oh. Well,
0: if you could have seen him friggin' Friday night.
2: I'm. <sighs> <laughs> I'm 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 not the I'm not the young man I used to be. I'm 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 needing uh needing a couple days off here. Damn. I <laughs> got uh I got Fourth of July staring me in the face here, and uh, so yeah, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna have to go a glass of water tonight. Damn. So, um, I I'm still cranky. I may not be drunk and cranky, but oh, the show's um, gonna suck now. Nah. Chris- what <laughs> we're
3: coming to with a sober Neesman? Damn. Chris's brilliance
0: will guide us through the darkness. Shit.
2: I thought was, I thought bad. the
0: bourbon fueled his brilliance and rage. Oh, it's a natural it, thing.
2: It well. did. That's what you're going to find out tonight.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we had a wonderful, wonderful time at the Wizard World Chicago for 2008. It was, it was a really good time.
5: It was yeah, good it to talk see, brother. About
0: it. Yeah, it was it, great. It, could, it couldn't have been that
3: great. Well, no. I was there. Dan wasn't there. wasn't there.
0: We, we did feel bad for absent friends, but the ones that we did hang out with... Um, Mike and Amy Sims. Mm-hmm. Ms- Matt and Sarah Kramer. All right. Dave Wachter. Mm-hmm. Wachter. Oh my god. <laughs> Mr. Loika. I don't think I've done the shocker more than than I have this weekend every time Wait, I- you mean you mean
3: physically or just a hand gesture? No,
0: just just, you know, you know dry oh, a okay. dry run so to speak. Okay. But uh yeah, it it, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of drinks, a lot of co- I tell you they were they were literally, it started on Friday in the dealer's room, but by the time Sunday rolled around, it snowballed and they were literally giving things away. <laughs>
2: I know. I call. I called you because I had to, I had to leave the convention a little a little early. In your way, like, yeah. Everything is gone. Everything that was like fifty percent off is like fifty percent off. That they had mm-hmm. uh, went through uh, this one booth that had uh, five dollar trades and ten dollar hardcovers.
6: Mm-hmm. And
2: you know, not not just not just the regular premier hardcovers. I picked up, uh, David. You'd be proud of me. I picked up uh, the entire Annihilation the, the awesome. three volumes awesome. For thirty bucks total. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Going to Chicago next year, no doubt.
0: No, I, yeah. I'm I'm not kidding. He, he he's not exaggerating. The the prices were insane. If they always
3: have been. Every I mean, I I scored a lot of trades last year and the year before that, and yeah, that, that, it's like I don't know what it is about Chicago where it's like dealers are all of a sudden like, all right, we just got to get rid of all our trades and
0: hardcovers. It, it was like cr- the crazy eddy of comics. I heard that uh, DCB service had quarter
4: bins full of stuff, basically everything that's been published in the last two, three years. Yep. They yep. always and have. It, and then it became 10, 10 for a buck on Sunday.
0: Yep, 10 yeah. for a dollar. Wow.
3: Oh, I, I remember the first the first Chicago we went to, uh, Dan and, and Vince were shooting me dirty looks because I picked up the uh, the first, was the six issues of Desolation Jones for like
0: five or six bucks.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Whatever happened to that book, by the way? Oh,
0: don't get me started. What? What? <laughs>
2: I, I, like I don't like one issue into a story arc.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. That uh, Daniel Zellas or Zelage or whatever was drawing it, and then mm-hmm. it just it just went away.
2: You know, and shame on me because I could have asked him that this weekend because I bumped yes. into him, and instead of saying, "Are you having a nice time in Chicago?" I should have said, "Where the fuck is Desolation Jones?"
3: <laughs> and he had told you to blame maybe uh, blame the artist, like he always does. It was uh-huh. it, it,
0: it, it was very funny. Chris and I were walking out of the restaurant, and Warren Ellis and his filthy assistant were sitting on the on the on the, on the, on the park bench. Filthy meaning.
4: Good looking, filthy, dirty
0: no, guy. That,
3: well, no, that's what he calls them. Right. If you're an assistant, you're a filthy assistant.
0: Right. I'm, oh. I'm just riffing on the Spider Jerusalem uh, Transmet thing. But she oh, was okay. very attractive and a redhead. I, I usually gravitate towards redheads. She was Good man. V- very attractive. But anyway, he's sitting on the park bench smoking and, and Chris walks by and he goes, "Hey, how you do?" Like if he's known him for like 10 years. Like, "Hey, how you doing?" And Warren else is like, "Yeah." Uh.
2: Oh, he was very pleasant. He was he looked like he was beat. It, yeah. uh, I think they had him running pretty pretty hard. Was that was that Friday?
0: Uh, or, I think that was Saturday.
2: Okay, yeah, because he was up, I know, like really late on Friday because they had him at the the speaking engagement at like 9.30 um, Chicago time, which is like, what, like three in the morning in England? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I I can't imagine. He
4: Hmm? was probably getting ripped all weekend for, for spearheading that DiDio rumor that clearly was false, so.
2: Oh. <laughs> you so know, Ellis I,
4: broke that thing on his blog, which got everybody a so that there was something
0: to it, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. he never specifically said the deal. <laughs> well, no, he didn't. That's he just true. He just implied. He didn't yell fire <laughs> in a crowded theater. <laughs> no,
4: yeah, he no. just poured the gasoline.
0: And and then on Sunday, Pat, uh, Loika, Dave, and um, Scott Cedarland and I were, um, and that British guy, what's his name again? I can never Nick, remember. Nick. Nick. Oh, Nick. Nick uh, yeah, he's Nick. awesome. Yeah, um, he is. He's, he's so awesome. I can't remember his name. But <laughs> sorry, he doesn't listen. We're, we're sitting in the lounge, and Ellis walks in with his filthy assistant behind him, carrying a box of his stuff. And carrying I ge- her box. And I, I, I guess the the down the up escalator yep. was either broken or they shut it off during the day. And he was complaining that that he at the prospect of walking up the steps to get to his room. So he walks around the whole lobby of the Hyatt. And if you've been to the Hyatt, you know the lobby of the, of the Hyatt's pretty damn big. Yeah. So he, he literally walked three times the distance of the steps in order to not walk up the steps. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, complaining all the way. He's awesome. I, I like Warren Ells. I like him all Yes. L's.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he, he he looked like he was having a pretty good time there. And he was definitely the, the guest of honor at Avatar, their booth, was Huge! It was probably probably the biggest um, publisher booth there. Really? It usually look at like square footage, and yeah, because they had uh, well, it was like three times the size of the actual booth. Was mm-hmm. the uh, the roped off areas that they had for the signings? I mean, he was signing like five and six hours a day. Yeah,
4: nice. Yeah, do you, yeah. you guys read any Avatar books?
2: Yep. You know, there's one I uh, I want to talk about tonight. Did you guys pick up No Hero this week?
0: Yeah, I just got it today. No.
5: No, uh,
2: really it, so it's just the the zero issue, which actually I believe does act as a, a number one issue. Uh I think it was a buck, if I'm not mistaken. yeah, it was a yeah. buck and uh uh r- real similar to um um uh Black Summer in, in that it's it's Warren Ellis and Juan Jose uh Reap. Is it is it is it Rip?
0: Yeah, I think it's Rip.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a same same Writer, artist, team of Black Summer. Um, good, though. I enjoyed it. It's uh, an interesting premise. So uh, um, if you got a spare buck and you're at the, the comic shop, pick up, uh, pick up No Hero. Well, well wait, providing
3: he- it was ordered, because it's an Avatar book, and it, you know, it's not a mainstream book, so there's all this talk. And, and rightfully mm-hmm. so, that a lot, of, uh, a lot of shops either under order or, I mean, and this is a topic for later, but either under order or just don't order. En- they order enough to cover the pull list. Of of indie, but I don't know too many shops that actually sell a lot of Avatar books unless they are ordered. Even with all their countless variant covers.
2: Yeah.
0: Well. Yeah.
2: Well, well, I think in, in Dark Tower we get a little we get a little um, spoiled because Mark really carries uh, an even balance between indie and Marvel DC. And, he's the man. He uh, he is actually Vince got to see Dark Tower for the first time.
0: The oh, movie. you bastard! I did. It's how awesome. It, 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 it's a lot it, it, it's nice it's really nice the setup is cool they have books on both sides of the wall and it's it's not wide but it's long which is really neat nice okay yeah, lot, lot, she's very nice, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> no no I'm neither, <laughs> I, I'm neither wide nor long but uh, uh, what was I like, oh I, why is Rip starting a new book when they didn't finish Bar- just just Black Summer
2: I was just going to ask you that I would that. imagine that Black Summer is probably finished they just haven't released it but who knows who knows it's, you know, you know they want to finish Black Summer because as soon as they do, they're going to make a trade of that sucker. So well, I mean, they're just they're just sitting on money
3: there. I, I like how it became bi-monthly towards the end of the run. It started yeah. off, it came oh, yeah. out pretty
4: quickly.
0: Well, jeez, yeah. if, if you draw every nose hair on every character, yeah, it's, it's I know take we don't have to get into
4: that. I know, I know.
0: You're well, right. How are and
2: the
4: how are the Avatar books? I mean, I haven't read any of them, so how?
2: What are they? I've
0: read, I've
3: liked.
2: Um, Ellis's stuff kind of run hot and cold with it. Uh, what, did Creasy? It, or is, is it Crazy, However you say that, that oh, was, was that was through Avatar, right? Yeah, yeah. Crazy was fucking awesome. Yes, it, it was. Is, it is. Um, a really amazing uh, historical look at uh, at a battle in in British history, and kind of when the uh, uh, was the the longbowman became a force in in the the world of um, of military strategy, and it was kind of like the first big British victory over the over the French, and um, uh, the soldier that you follow through that book is kind of breaking the fourth wall. And he's kind of looking at, at the, the viewer and kind of telling and narrating what's going on. And he knows that you are in the future watching this battle. And so it's a very, a very interesting um, way of kind of, of narrating and, and, and bringing you along in the story. But, but crazy was, is awesome. Uh, his zombie book, um, Black Gas was okay, but nothing um, super inventive about right. it. Um, I haven't read the. I haven't really read the other ones except for uh, Black Summer and and uh, Now No Hero. Uh, Vince, have you read Doc, Doc Sleepless?
0: Yes, I I love Doctor Sleepless. And uh, what's the he other? Starts one? off slow. Yeah, 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 it does. But I, I will say one thing about Doctor Sleepless: the the art could be a little bit better. Yeah, mm-hmm. but on Gravel. Which is another excellent book, uh, one of Warren Ellis's combat magicians, uh, in, in the vein of Constantine, only mixed with maybe a little bit of cable, sort Mm -hmm. of, you know. But, uh, the gravel's drawn by the dude that does the wraparound covers for Dr. Sleepless. The, 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 those intense, really, um, dense line work uh he's another in the in the ripped vein he he draws everything in a scene and renders just every little bottle and and it's very cool to look at but uh yeah gravel artistically gravels the better book in terms of the the line art and and the visuals but uh conceptually i like dr sleepless better because he it seems like that's the book that ellis is throwing his heart and his soul into Mm-hmm. It's this mixture of a mishmash of technology and and future speak and and society's reliance on technology and a man who can disrupt everything at the blink of an eye. It's really a great book. I didn't like Blackass at all. No, at aside all. from no, not at all. It just was like ho hum, you know, whatever.
2: Well, I mean it was it was kinda like well, it was it was a zombie book. It yeah. didn't really invent anything or bring anything new to it. But I thought it was a good zombie zombie tale. Well, I, I didn't read the second one, so
0: Yeah, I didn't hate it. It was just like I, not one of those ones that's gonna be very memorable unlike Walking Dead. Oh. <laughs> huh. it's good. So, wait,
3: so 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 we're leaving Avatar?
0: No, we're not leaving Avatar. I was just gonna drop a little clue, but later on we'll talk about it. Um, what else? what else I, uh there's uh, I, well Wolf, i mean Wolfskin i know that too.
3: uh yeah so avatar seems to have i mean they don't they don't promote their artists a lot as much as they do ellis or say garth enos but and and who who writes night of the living dead i, I don't even know who the writer of that book is
0: i know that scumbag john russo does some of it
3: okay uh, So uh, well i don't know what that's about that's about uh,
0: that's about dicking over romero for the rights to the Oh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to... And he he was involved in the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Have you ever seen that travesty? That piece of (laughs) shit... Wow! Don't sh- I think, what, sugar Don't I think how we you really stumbled feel. upon what, something here. What they did was they took because uh, Night of the Living Dead is public domain because Romero wasn't spe- wasn't exacting enough in the copyright, or either he didn't know what he was supposed to do in order to retain the rights to his. Is movie. that true? I didn't know yeah. that. Really? No. That's yeah. That's why whenever you go to a DVD store, you will see ten versions of Night of the Living Dead by ten different uh, publishing houses because everybody can put it out. It's it's mm-hmm. public domain, and. Um, what Russo did was he, and John Hinsman, too, the guy that's the cemetery zombie in the beginning, the one where uh, they uh, uh, Barbara's brother says, he's coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, and sh- you see, mm-hmm. That's John Hinsman. Uh, what they did was they took the footage from Night of the Living Dead and they they added new scenes with this ridiculous... Preacher in in the in the style of Anton Zandor Levey and Debbie Rashan as a as a newscaster. That's just horrible. They, they they recast the cemetery zombie as a pedophile. It's like all this shit that did never had to be shoehorned into the original Night of Living Dead. It's horrible. Mm. it makes my blood boil when i think about it but yeah so john russo's a scumbag
5: (laughs) all right yeah i I can get behind i i
0: I will never buy a night of living dead book that has anything to do with that man okay yeah there you go
3: so who who besides ellis and and garth then is writing for
0: wow that was intense wasn't it i'm sorry about that That was awesome dude. (laughs) No, i'm sorry you know how many people are going to write on the
3: forum about that now and what's the forum address anyway
0: com forward slash forum or if you want to do it the the newfangled David A. Price way you can do com, and you can you can read all the beautiful threads the wonderfully engaging threads we have there and then you can go over to CGS Forum and read the good ones that friggin wood starts over there (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) you know what Uh, kumbaya. Vince, kumbaya. I know. I-, I sent him a message today. I said, hey, how about starting them man over on your own forum, shithead? <laughs> he writes back, he goes, L- LOL or something. I was just kidding him because I love him.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, you always heard yeah, that. can that was
4: a good a good thread though.
0: Oh shit, it was a great thread. And and the see that their their traffic just lends itself to good discussion. When you have Steve Bryant in yes. a conversation about creators' right. rights and what can we do to improve books and, exactly. and and the process of actually putting together and marketing and selling and profiting what little there is uh, on a, on an independently produced comic. Steve Bryant right. is one of the man one yes. of the men who knows his shit. And,
5: there,
4: and that's trend. why I mean. Yeah, in all honesty, that's why, as you know, that thread started in at CGS because it was really an offshoot of Steve's thread. So I just right, it right. organic it's organic.
0: No, uh, I'm, just, I'm just riding you, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Well, but Back to Chicago a little bit. Um, what else? Uh, there, was, there was a couple of funny things that happened during the day mm-hmm. on, fr- on Friday. We've got to be specific about that because, as Chris will tell you, things turned very very somber on saturday but of yeah. like, be, be, before we get into the into the the gloom uh gloomy okay. stuff uh i was sitting in the in the lobby and this guy dressed as one of the guardians of the universe walked by this little portly man <laughs> bald-headed he was almost waddling you know here comes this guy and i said hey when the hell did bendis switch sides Oh, 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 nice! Because <laughs> I mean, you would swear it was Bendis.
5: <laughs>
3: well, then, all right. So, on the flip side, then, why don't you tell them about? Uh, who, I think you when you, when I spoke to you, you said uh, you wanted to know who this kid was that rated that uh, that rated a conversation with another well-known creator, and I believe uh, it was oh. reminded you who who or told you who this creator was.
0: I'm a little lost. Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, See, I I haven't, I didn't know what Jeff Johns looks like. And, and Chris is very chummy with Greg Rucka. We all know that because of the man love he shares for him. But so, so Chris is talking to Rucka. And as we're walking away, he goes, how about that? And I said, what, what? I said, who's that kid that, that. That ruck is talking to. He goes, kid. That's friggin' Jeff Johns. I was like, get out of here.
2: It was we were with uh, we were with Chris Marshall out in like the the main entryway into the uh, into the convention center. I'm dying and, to meet
0: him. He is such good people. Oh, he's awesome.
3: Yes. Oh, he
2: and and, and uh, uh, Chris Marshall says, oh hey, there's uh, uh, there's Greg over there. He was going through the uh, to the exib- uh, exhibitor check in, and Chris said, oh hey, you know, I wonder where he's going to be later because I brought. The Queen and Country definitive editions. And I'd wait, wait, to wait. So, installed. so,
3: so, did the battery die on your rucka locator? How is Chris Marshall telling you <laughs>
2: that there's a exactly. rucka? Exactly. I have my defenses down. But uh, I was like, well, come on, just let's just go over there, and he'll be fine if we don't make a big deal about it, and and he'll sign him, And so we we go over there, and yeah, there's this this guy with a flash hat that he's that he's talking to, <laughs> and I I noticed right away that it's that it's John's, but I'm not going to like make a big deal about it. And I never met him, but you know, so I, so I you know, introduce Chris to Greg, and Greg signs his books, and then we just walk away, and uh, and yeah, <laughs> it was it was kind of funny.
0: I had no idea, absolutely. <laughs> and, and another funny thing uh, during the podcasting panel, which was a lot of fun, very cool. Uh, nice
4: that, job, by the way. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, you did good, buddy. I don't know, so,
0: but anyway, all right. Uh, I'm sitting next to Sal because I love him. And I don't know what the question was or, or why I said it, but I, d- I I let fly with the old Chris Niesman is the best man oh, yeah. in, in podcasting. Sal, because- Sal, Sal
3: wanted to know how you how did Chris agree to our format? Oh,
0: okay, okay, and and I said that Chris is the best man in, in podcasting, the best podcaster in the world, something like that.
2: It's ridiculous,
0: and, and and no, it's not. And right in the middle of <laughs> no, r- right in the middle of the proceedings, as the thing is going on, Sal leans over to me and he goes. What does Chris's dick taste like? <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 it was all I could do. I did ah, <laughs> <it was>
5: awesome. <laughs> Sal
0: forget what it tastes uh, like. And no, and I said I said, Sal, it's delicious. It That's really great. is. God,
4: great. Classic.
0: <laughs> oh awesome. It was it was good. The but uh,
4: panel was a lot uh, of fun during one of the points mm-hmm. that Suntress was talking, so we didn't hear you.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of no, yeah, <laughs> poor, hey, poor old John hey John knows his shit, he really does oh my God, seriously, know? not
3: for nothing and and this is and and, Wood and I have been kinda not going back and <laughs> forth, but Wood and I were discussing this on on another thread but uh but John released, and I believe the second part came out today, but John was releasing uh, a uh, an interview he did with Brew Baker and fraction, and i'm that I'm just dying, laughing through the whole way through no John really is good people i mean seriously
0: it oh, yeah. and and, yep. and you know they they kind of chuckle whenever he's in a group of people and he'll start talking about things but it, because oh here comes here comes john again but it, the fact is the guy knows a lot of stuff yes. about a lot of yep. stuff yeah yep. so yep. Well, and also about he's that neutrality yeah
4: he's also the only comics podcaster that's at least attempting to really make a living out of it yeah I mean, this
2: is pretty much what he does nah, for a No, nah, right? the 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 iFanboy guys are are really the ones that are um that are going full bore and trying to uh, trying to because John, I mean, John still you know has a, has a radio job here in Chicago. It, it, oh, he they, does. If you want to look at the yeah. the serious guys, I didn't, I didn't the iFanboy guys are really serious about about making a go of it. And but they all they all, mean, all have full time jobs, don't they? Um, iFanboy is a full time job. Yeah, because because
3: yeah, it's revision three.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. whatever that means.
2: Um <laughs> uh, it's inter- internet TV. It's, uh, uh,
0: see, yeah. I I don't it's one of those things I don't listen. I don't watch.
2: Yep. yep. That's yeah. good. That's I uh, like it a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah but, the fanboy guys are they're they're trying to make a go of it. So Good for them. More power more to them. As much as you can. Yep, mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And you know, I will say John has very good professionally sounding. Voice for broadcasting. He's he's a pro. Yeah, I think he's got the second best voice in in comics podcasting. <laughs> yeah, we all know who you think the first is. And it helps sell. that no you.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and it helps that that John is from the times I've I've talked to him and and hung out with him. He's a genuinely nice guy. You
0: know, there's nothing fake really about him at all. No no pretense at all.
2: Well, do you want to get to uh kind of the happenings of Friday night.
0: Oh, uh, why don't you do that?
2: Because I,
0: yeah. I I've taken up enough airtime. I'll just I'll interject when I when I think I'm needed. How about that?
2: Okay. Uh, you know, Wizard World is is always a a fun time. It's it's a it's a good show and and being out in oh. Rosemont, a lot of people. Oh, did I go quacking on everybody? No, no.
0: It's just somebody's clipping their toenails again or something.
4: No. Uh, no, that was sorry. A bottle cap flu. Awesome.
2: Oh. <laughs> I'm getting thirsty. Maybe I maybe I do need a beer. Uh huh. but uh one of the things that people talk about Chicago is and and in a bad way is that it's out in Rosemont and and Vince really uh, uh we got the give him the nickel tour of Chicago and I think he really does realize how far out of Chicago that show is but um one of the nice things about it is that everyone ends up at the the Hyatt bar after the after the show closes down and so it's a, it's a big wide open lobby and then bar and you end up with you know literally hundreds of fans and creators and industry pros after after hours and and really well into into the next day's morning sometimes and um where we're downstairs and and having a good time and everyone's laughing and drinking and uh and just having a having a fun regular Chicago Friday night at the convention and um you know all of a sudden it's like this this cloud starts to go through the crowd and and the news about Michael Turner um comes down and you you literally in a matter of seconds saw people go from laughing and joking around to literally bawling and yes. and just gasp of disbelief and it's and not just fans. I mean there were what was what was really almost surreal about it is that you had people that were really good, close friends of his Finding out right there in front of you, and I mean it's been a, it's been a tough year losing creators, you know Waringo and Steve Gerber. I mean it was tough to lose those guys, and both of them really well before their time, especially especially Waringo. But I think the difference for me anyway is that I found out about that on Newsarama or or from a, an email from a friend, and so that's a kind of like a personal. Um, solitary thing where you find this out and then here finding out about michael turner with several hundred people that a lot of them knew him was a really um i mean, it, it, it's something i'm not gonna forget anytime soon right with, right Be- um,
0: because on on when you hear about things like that on the On the internet, when you don 't hear it, when you read about things like that on the internet and you can see the fallout from the replies to the message it doesn 't have the emotional intensity that a, a real honest to God person who this affects personally because they knew him right right, right next to you uh, it, it's it it made me reevaluate my the way I'm going to express my ideas on on the net from now on, because I'll I'll be honest, it it sucks when you reevaluate somebody's life in the wake of their death. I mean, the guy was, I won't say he was, not a favorite of mine. I did respect his his skill and, and his obvious talent, but I, I there was you know things about his art that didn't speak to me personally. I'm not saying he was bad, but I I, I never went out of my way to buy things that he did. But to. Go online and demean a person 's art and and just uh, is, it, is it worth the, the the couple seconds that you took to type out your 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 individual thoughts on someone 's art and have them read it is one thing, but when a guy 's going through chemo now I, you know i 'm a member of that club I know I can approximate what the guy went through uh, you, number one, hearing bad things about more toenails. He- hearing bad things about <laughs> your art, cracking. Oh, that's all right. He- hearing bad things about your art is, is tough to take alone. But, but when you- when you when you your outlook on life is, is unknown, you don't know whether you're going to come through this disease, and you're going through these treatments, and, and it- it's it's hard, you know. And it- it- it's multiplied when you have these people who pretty careless. And I'm guilty of it myself. I, I admit. I- I've if Greg Land died tomorrow, I would feel like shit. Mm-hmm. So f- I'm gonna think three times the next time I, I I feel the need to get online and 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 waste my two minutes and and impact someone's life negatively just because I may not understand or like their art. It, it's not worth it. It's really not.
2: So you what I learned is that you know yeah, re- regardless of how you like someone's art or their writing or whatnot, the the comics community, the community of creators, is a family and. Right. They lost a family member because after that happened, for me, the rest of the weekend while I was there, it it definitely had an effect on on the show. And mm-hmm. even on Saturday morning, the people that had turned in early on Friday night that were finding out, it was it was kind of like you know all over again. You know, you're seeing people as they're just just finding out about it, and we're a wreck, but just how tight knit, whether it was Marvel or D C or or whatever independent books, I mean, they lost a member of their family. And yeah. um it was uh you know, I will I will remember that convention for that happening. And yeah. uh you know, you know, um thoughts and prayers to his to his family and his you know, many, many friends obviously. So you know it's been a tough year for uh, for comics in, in that regard. We uh, we've lost uh, lost a lot of good ones.
0: Just remember that everyone that produces a comic book is one of us, whether you like it or not.
3: Yeah, they're a person. They're you, know, the- you may so so, great. So now you feel better because you belittled some. I mean, they, they're. I mean, when it, the way I look at things is that if if I if I'm not a fan of someone's art, and like you just mentioned, Greg Land, or and there are things. I mean, there are a lot of covers, actually recent covers, uh, he did. Uh, there was a sketch cover i think for uh superman batman that uh, that turner did there was a uh there's a upcoming there, there's a wolverine cover i mean he's done covers that i've i've you can tell that he's enthusiastic to do this that there is something behind the cover even if even if there's something about it that i may not like it's still a person that did this uh-huh. and you so here. Here's someone who's who's working in a field that I would love to be in. And there's no way. How am I gonna knock that? How how can I how can I say okay? Well, you know, this this ear on Batman's a little long. Or what's up with Supergirl's? You know, why, why is her torso so big? Who the fuck cares?
0: And it doesn't really matter in the grand. It scheme of things no. anyway. Right. Right. There, when when I said that he was one of us, meaning he was one of the comics community. He he, he was one of our flesh and blood. So is it worth, are your thoughts that important that you have to make them real by putting them on a message board and, and making someone's life a little less enjoyable? Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah. not, it's not worth it. It's really not. No, well, it's not.
4: I, I, I think you're totally right, but I think the, the thing that we could do more of more naturally is be positive about things we actually love Absolutely. I think, I think the one thing that, and I'm like you said, Vince. I'm as guilty of this as everybody here. But um, you know, as active members of forums, uh, and not just comics, but but any other interest you might have, um, it's just so much easier to bitch and moan. And it seems like it's always been that way. I mean, you know, there, that's why there are complaints departments at department oh, stores. Oh yeah. You know, but But no, but no compliments. Compliment stores, right. You know. Okay. <laughs> and, and at the risk of being cliche, I mean, there's really some truth to that. Um, I wanted to say, you know, we talked a little bit last week about. Um, some of the books that we were really digging, and how sad it was that they seemingly aren't selling that well. And Chris mentioned "Spur of the Moment." Um, when I brought up "Proof," you know, he said, "Hey, you know, any listeners out there that are enjoying books like Proof, the creators would really love to hear it because it is a labor of love, and they're not getting rich off this stuff. And you'd be surprised what those words can do to spur them on." And um, you know, I heeded his advice, and I went over to the Image forums logged on, went to the proof sub form and just dropped a quick note saying, Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know, I love the stuff, love the first trade, keep up the good work. You know, we mentioned you on, on our show, Mm -hmm. but, uh, just wanted to say thanks for, for putting out a really great entertaining comic. And, you know, within probably what a half hour, I'd say, um, the writer and the artist both chime in saying how much they really appreciated that, how you know, it has been a, a labor of love and it's it's been frustrating. You know, the sales have been frustrating, but it's great to know that there are people out there enjoying the book and I think they sent they sent us or at least a couple of us an email directly saying, Hey, we listened to the show, thanks a lot. So yeah. I really think it's perfectly natural, I think, okay actually if you don't like something, um, as a fan to express that in a constructive way. But I just think that there really is something that if you're gonna bitch and moan about something Take the mental time to find something you want to praise to. At least balance it out, you know, find a balance and equilibrium.
0: Right. Yeah. Like Eric Larson is is pretty notorious for speaking his mind to people who come with come to him for portfolio reviews. Mm-hmm. Now, now I think in that case a little bit of Verbal brutality is going to serve that artist really, really well in 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 their career because it, it it's something it's a goal it's something to attain to to to. Improve. Neil
2: Adams Neil Adams had a, a, a famous um, meetings with Frank Miller early in in Frank Miller's career where Neil Adams kind of like kept sending him. You know, with his with his tail between his legs after portfolio reviews. Right, right. Yeah. You
0: know? I mean, it, it's only gonna help the artist, but it, it, I mean there are some in- instances where it doesn't. Did you guys ever hear the story of Tower Comics? A a, no. a, a young uh Staranko took a portfolio of his work to uh the editor in chief of Tower Comics where Wally Wood did the uh Thunder, Thunder Agents Thunder Agents. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So and and the guy was brutal. He he ravaged it, merciless just tore it apart and Storanko said screw this went down the street to marvel and they they just picked him up right then and there and nick fury was born oh, well wow. you know so you don't there are some how could you ever find anything you know to complain that much about Storanko's mm-hmm. work even if he was green the guy still sure. had you know back Should, yeah the uh, you
2: know you you were talking about uh uh larson Boy, was he looking like he was just having a great time at the convention.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Did,
2: did you, yeah, did you talk to him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he, um, he was talking to a group of us on Friday night. He's like, yeah, if you can keep a secret for about 12 hours here, I'm, uh, I'm stepping down tomorrow. And I'm just like, wow. I think Sal and I were... Uh, we're talking with him, and uh, he seems really, really excited about it. He's looking forward to getting back to doing Savage dragon monthly, and I think there's some other stuff that he's got in the you know in the works, but yeah, he seemed genuinely enthused and excited about getting back uh, to the drawing board and, uh, That's his and baby. I guess yeah, I guess Eric Stevenson has been has really kind of been doing the job. For a while mm-hmm. now, so it, it, people that love image don't—I don't think there's anything to be worried about.
0: No, I don't think so either.
2: Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting
1: a web and comics. Eh.
4: No, I was just going to say that last year at MoCA, they had—I guess for about a month—a Todd McFarlane exhibit. Mm-hmm. and the entire museum was Todd McFarlane stuff. And I didn't go, but a few people um, that I heard from that did go said it was pretty fascinating. There was an entire wall of the exhibit that was all of the myriad rejection letters that McFarlane got in his, <laughs> you know, his career, and there were hundreds of them, literally hundreds of them. Um, and he saved everyone, and they built, you know, a montage of this in this exhibit. And, he, you know, he clearly that powered him to become the, you know, Todd McFarlane that you know that exists today, which again, putting aside whether you know he's anyone's personal favorite here, he, you know clearly he's a guy that for an entire generation of comic readers, you know he's one of their their favorite artists. So I think I think, but there's a difference between getting a rejection letter from a publishing house that you're trying to work for, or even a really brutal review of an existing creator that you may respect and what you were talking about with the kind of way that we fanboys tend to fall into that trap of negativity. I mean, that's a lot different because, number one, it's a mob mentality. And number two, while we all are part of the same community, I think a lot of us mistake being passionate for the medium with having a credible opinion on the um, actual mechanics of writing or drawing a comic. Right. So it gets, you know, I've, I've had a lot of the conversations in the last few months about the difference between saying that person is a bad artist versus saying that art doesn't resonate with me, and right. there really are two dramatically different things to say. Oh yeah, one, sure. when- one is pretty much an uneducated thing to say, unless you yourself, you know, you're an artist. So I, you know, if you were to say that's bad art, you may have some technical means for establishing that. But I really don't feel qualified to just come right out and say. So and so is a bad artist because oh, I'm not I, an artist myself.
3: The, that, the I'm, I'm sorry, Vince. You you said ages ago that uh, that you know if as long as the artist understands the rules, like if they know that you know the way anatomy is supposed to be set up or perspective and things like that. I mean, a lot of people will complain about you know, Humberto Ramos and his big feet or or things like that. But if if he understands the rules of if if he could you know. I'm sure he knows how to really draw the perfect female form or, or female figure, but this is his style, this is just what he's putting out on the page. You know, there's a difference. But if someone just, you know, doesn't know how to draw a hand and makes a living doing that, or, or no or hiding feet behind rocks or, or steam or anything, then that's that that's a little different.
5: Right. Well, all of
2: those it, all of those guys could ace any college level anatomy class in you know, figure drawing. All of those guys you are they're professionals. So of course they yep. know the you know, the human figure. It's a different skill set whenever you talk about you know, storytelling. I think that's a skill that doesn't get caught doesn't get Taught in a lot of art schools, and that's why you have places like the Center for Cartoon Studies or the Kubert School. You know that that's a whole different thing. But yeah, like anatomy and that kind of stuff. Those guys, you know, they know it. It's it's mm-hmm. just whenever it gets mixed with storytelling, that that you know some of the weaknesses can can show up.
0: Right. Well, I, I'm still of the opinion that there is no such thing as bad art. Sure. Because creation could never be bad. It's there. There's such a thing as art that. Needs improvement in certain areas, but as far as flat out, this is bad. It can't happen. I've seen many people look at the work of Gary Panner or say Mark Beer, but and and look at it. Ooh, that art's so bad. No, Mm. it's it's anything but bad. It, you know, they they interpret faux naivete as the inability to draw, and it's just not so. But how do you how do you convince someone that what they're looking at is not bad? You can't. It's just a personal opinion. Right. So, uh, but and if it's if it doesn't if it's not worth anything, if there's no value in it, then keep it to yourself.
3: But it's it, if if you spent your two ninety nine, or in Chris's case, when talking about nineteen eighty five, three ninety nine, if you're Fuckers. going to, <laughs> I'm so okay, there's the rant.
2: What the fuck? I was, uh, man, I was so excited about 1985. Loved the first issue. Got the second one. It was, it was okay. It wasn't as good as the first. Then, I'm, you know, getting ready to, to go on to another comic and I put it down. I'm like, those motherfuckers charged me three ninety nine for that. Mm.
3: Are, are you telling me Mark four, Miller's not
2: worth four bucks? Four dollars. Twenty two page comic. Once again, the 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 cardstock cover. I don't give a fuck. Right? But this is the guy who
3: wrote Wanted. How do you not want to give him four dollars?
2: <laughs> Just, no, I'm, now, done. I'm done. Uh, they, lost, they lost me. You won't. You won't hear any more talk about 1985. But if
3: I, I, I think, I think what happens is if if someone spent the money on that comic book, then they that gives them a right to bitch about it. Maybe to make themselves feel better. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that you know because Chris is talking about 1985. But I'm just. I mean, especially on message boards, we're like, you know, people are like they're more than happy to tear something down because it builds them up. It makes them feel better. Well, now I got sure. that off my chest and I went to the complaint department right. and, and now I'm good to go. And it's, and again, it's, I've, I don't, you know, I'm, please prove me wrong. I'll, I'll apologize for it. I don't think I've ever really said that. And I don't think anybody on our boards have really said, you know, I can't, you know, that's just horrible. That that's just disgusting. I can't stand to look at that. No, it's, it's, it's usually prefaced with, well, to me, Mm-hmm. That's not really something that I can go for, or that's not something I'd want to spend my money on, and that's cool, and like Wood said entirely different things if you say that's really not for me to wow that's that that's really horrible. I can't believe that was put on a page
4: well Vince, you know you and i were were in a conversation on a non comic topic I think it if memory serves, it was someone brought up a topic of religion, and you and I obviously have oh, yeah probably. I guess, relative to the masses, unpopular views on that front. High five. And, yeah. <laughs> and, but no, but you said something to someone who took offense to something in the thread. I don't think it was something you or I said. Your, your basics, and I'm I'm probably totally butchering your point, but you said something I remember as being, well, why are you concerned about someone else's words? Words should be powerless unless That's you give right. them power. That's right. And... Um that resonate, re- resonated with me because I think it's a nice nice perspective to have in life, although I think it's difficult um, for someone to have that perspective when it's something near and dear to them like a creator would be with their art. But I'm a little torn given the current conversation. I'm wondering if, A, you're having a little bit of a change of heart there in, in the sense that, you know, why say, well, don't, don't say anything bad if you don't have anything nice, – you know, if you don't say anything off, you have anything bad to say. Well, I mean, if words don't really have power – Theoretically, people should be able to feel free to say whatever they want, right? But, but secondly, I guess what I'm really confused about a little bit here is that I know, for as much as I know that artists appreciate when we have nice things to say, it would be a little hypocritical of me to then suggest that having something negative to say has no value. Because it's why would someone value what you say when it's positive and take it for having meaning if, in fact, they're not going to take you know any if your criticism has no worth. In other words, if your opinion has worth. It has worth. It doesn't only have worth when it uh, when it suits your own worldview. Do you follow? Do you follow what I'm saying? Oh
0: yeah, yeah, sure. But all right, to get to the to cover the first part. You're right. Word. Uh, well, what I I still stand by what I said in that thread. Words are very powerful, if you allow them to be. Mm-hmm. How many people do you know that are like myself that could take any kind of criticism directed at me with with a, a grain of salt and forget about it? Literally. A couple seconds after it's been delivered. That's just, I've always been that way. Uh, y- you look at my art, you tell me it sucks. Yeah, that's your opinion, whatever. I have the confidence in my ability to know my art does not suck. You may not understand it or get it or just like it, flat out just not like it. There's My art does not suck. People may not like my opinions, Or, you know, call me insane. That's their, you know, they have every right to feel that way. I'm not going to go to sleep thinking, oh, my God, these people, they don't like me. What am I going to do? I I, I care about what people think. But on the other hand, I I really don't because I, I know what I do and I do it fairly well. And I'm comfortable with that. But not everybody's like that. Now, say Michael Turner is going through chemo. Wondering whether he's going to wake up tomorrow morning, he's vulnerable, he's at, he's, at, he's handicapped by this disease, and, and you have some schlub on a message board saying the cover to fathom number three just sucked balls, it was horrible, <laughs> and I, I never want to look at something like that again. That's the problem. If you just flat out don't like something, and you know, it's like it's like knocking on somebody's door with a flaming bag of poop on the porch and running away. You, you're not giving anybody a reason why you don't like it. If you can back up your claims with logic, uh, intelligence, and, and a little bit of you know, um, uh, personal enthusiasm as to why you don't, then fine. I, I don't. I don't think there's an artist out there that would not accept. Your opinion and maybe take it to heart. Maybe not if they thought you were wrong. Great, but if you just flat out hammer a guy because you don't like his stuff, that mm-hmm. doesn't—that does nobody any good. You, that, you just that's, described that's, everybody that's ever bitched about Chuck Austin, right? right. That—that's what I'm talking about. You know, uh, a bleach world. Yeah.
2: You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. You know, like him or not, it's you know just uh, you know try and keep understand that it's, that it's subjective.
0: Right, and there's a human being behind it. That cover did not spring out of the ether, full-blown by, by itself. There was a hand behind that, a human hand, a human hand with feelings attached to it. So, if you're going to slam something, have a reason, an intelligent reason why. And as far as Michael Turner stuff, the the execution is is I don't want to say flawless, but there's really <laughs> not all that much to bitch about.
5: Agreed. Well, I
4: think the, the rule of thumb should be. Um, Anything you say on a forum, if you're willing to say it to the person's face, feel free to say it. I mean, if if you're willing, if you're willing to, um, you know, and again, something that happened—you mentioned the CGS forums. There was an incident some time ago about a guy that's very near and dear to all of our, you know, hearts, Mike Norton. Someone on the CGS forums that is not (laughs) known for tact said basically something about, "I just don't like the guy; he sucks." Blah blah Mm. blah. And a lot of us came to his defense for basically the same reason, saying, "Look." You can say you don't like the guy's style, you're free to do that, but you're basically coming in the guy's house mm-hmm. where he has a lot of personal friends, and you're basically spinning on him, and the problem I had with it is... This guy that said what he said would never in a million years have had the balls if he was at a con to go up to Mike right. Horton, say right. what he said word for word to Mike's face.
2: <laughs> because Mike that's, would eat him. Well, sure. yeah. say, he, w- he wouldn't be able to say it to Mike's
4: face unless he was <laughs> well, sick. Right, to, to Mike's knees, to Mike's knees. But my point is there is some legi- legi- legitimacy to that. If if you don't like something or you don't like a story arc or you think something that's happening in an event book or it doesn't jive... If you're willing, if you're at a convention and you're willing to go up to Bendis or go up to, you know. An artist of your choice, and say, "Hey, I don't like this for this reason." Or I think you made a mistake with this. then by all means, say whatever you want to say on the internet. But yeah. if you're saying something, you're typing. Not to be condoning it,
2: that. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying
4: is, is you get my point. But then it's so easy to hide behind the internet and have internet muscles. Right. And you know, I've always tried very hard, and that's why I use my own name with my. What I see on the internet, some of it may not be popular. Some of it may seem. Callous or opinionated, but I, honestly, I believe that nothing I ever say on the internet is something I wouldn't say to the person's face.
0: Right, and I and get I, that. And I couldn't believe some of the reactions I was getting from people in that thread where I said words don't bother me. They were actually <laughs> get, getting pissed off because I, I could just I could just deflect that shit like that. Oh, it's impossible. You make me sick. Blah, blah, blah. Your and, words hurt them. <laughs> well, I don't know, but uh, you know, I can I, I, I can only hope that any anybody that that,
3: that wants to shit on a creator has the skin thick enough that when that creator goes to McDonald's and tells them that they salted their fries too much, that they can take that criticism and, yeah. and, and live with that. Right.
0: Well, you know what? Let's let's just get some positivity here going for for Oh, a
2: I, and actually, I want, I want an honest opinion, Vince. Um, Chicago hot dog.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, that's another funny thing that happened. Uh, Chris, he, he turns to me and says, you ever have a Chicago hot dog? I and he that. unzipped? I, I said, you, Shut up. Uh, yeah. that would be a cocktail, Frank. And,
1: uh, <laughs> and,
0: and I said, no, what, what's the deal? He goes, well, let me ask you a question. How do you take your hot dogs? And I said, well, like everybody, I put ketchup on them. And no, wait, and I said, I put ketchup on them. And he looked at me like I kicked him in the balls. He goes, you're, you're not eating ketchup on a hot dog with me. Of course you put ketchup on a hot dog. No, I get like, I, I guess it's blasphemy because Chris schooled me as to why it's blasphemy because in the, in the depression, Chicago had the biggest stockyard in the country or was it the world?
2: Oh well, and the, it was—it's the hog butcher to the, uh, to the world, is what they say. But yeah, the Chicago stockyards basically handled all of the all of the uh, meat and butchering for the East Coast almost.
0: Right, and he said the only reason why you put ketchup on things is to mask the flavor of the of the substance you're putting it on. You don't put ketchup on a Chicago hot dog. They said, okay, Chris, I want eat ketchup on it. So <laughs> so so we went to to this this place. I forget the name of it. What, what name? Okay. Byron's. Byron's, right. And and I, I'm looking at how they're making the hot dogs, and it's like hot dog, mustard. No, bun, mustard, hot dog, onions, relish, lettuce, tomato. Good God. Pickle, and, and am I leaving anything out? And celery oh, salt. Yep, celery they salt. give you utensils with this? Oh, my God. This thing, a lot of napkins. Oh, my God. It was so delicious. That's <sighs> cool. I'm not kidding you. It sounds it, like a mess. No, it was, it was, I'm telling, I'm not saying this because Chris is my buddy. It was one of the <laughs> tastiest things that I've ever eaten. And because I think it was the celery salt that did it. Nope. The, this, the celery salt mixed with the, the, the taste of the pork and the, the, the relish. And it was this kryptonite green relish. I didn't, good thing I didn't eat the hot dog next to Superman because I would have weakened him. But it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, Chris goes, pretty good huh <laughs> <laughs> and then you wiped
3: off your chin the uh the oh. the um here's something positive <laughs>
0: okay let me I, let me just say one thing go ahead because mm-hmm. we're second we're we're moving away from what i want we will we'll lose the attachment okay. mike norton's art in trinity inked by jerry ordway
3: Dude. Oh, oh good I, post, I i said that online i said there are two art teams current <laughs> art teams that are my absolute favorites norton and ordway And 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 Pelletier and Magyar and and those two modern, modern, I mean pencil and artist, I mean pencil and inker, those two teams for for the big two, those Mm -hmm. are my two current favorites.
0: Yeah, Mike
3: and Ordway are awesome together.
0: They are. And Mike let me in on a, a little bit of the process. He 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 was credited for layouts he he merely directed ordway what to do like the 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 flow of the pages is all mike mm-hmm. the the breakdown the 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 blocking and everything in the panel the perspective that's all mike but right. the de- the detailing is ordway what yeah. a combination
2: well, you can R- tell R- that
4: i mean i think when i look at those pages they look like ordway they don't look like norton to me
2: was well, i think ordway is is kind of a heavy-handed inker And i was was, uh, mike whenever he found out that ordway was going to be inking him was was pretty excited about it he's like but you know jerry ordway when jerry ordway inks somebody it looks like jerry ordway so you know for mike i think it's pretty pretty easy to to do the to do the layouts and work with him that way so yeah
5: well
0: Mm -hmm. let's be honest or ordway may have been the wizard of oz in in this instance, but Mike was the dude behind the curtains. Yeah, it, this is true. It, or or wouldn't have never would never have looked that good if Mike's panels weren't as solid as. the
2: no, very true. And Mike is such a good storyteller.
0: Yeah, <sighs> I, oh, totally. he,
2: he he knows how to lay out a page, and mm-hmm. so he's just got that got that intuitive sense of, of how to, how to move panels.
0: To tell you the truth, in that I- issue, I was digging the uh, backup better than the main feature. Mm-hmm. As, as far as the visuals go, and In to,
2: four or five. Four, to, four. I got.
0: I got five today. Okay. To to eclipse Bagley. Well, wow, that's a pretty <laughs> tough thing
2: to do. Still loving Bagley's one. Oh
0: yeah, his Wonder Woman's rocking. Oh, yeah. Cool. Tight
2: little waist. Take Ooh.
0: Take care of
3: business. I like. Yeah. I like his Batman. I I, I do yeah. like yeah. his Batman.
2: Yeah. Hey, I like I his some some art that uh, the art that I'm kind of digging on. And uh, I'm not always a fan of this guy, but I did pick up Astonishing X Men, which is the uh, uh, Warren yeah, oil, and uh, yeah. um, uh, Simone, Simone Bianchi. Mm-hmm.
4: Let me tell you uh, something. It's really I, pretty. I love Simone stuff. I really do. Now, there's a guy. Someone made a comment on on a, on one of the forums about Simone, uh, and and I made the point to the effect of why I hate his stuff or he's terrible or something. And I was I, I that was the point where I kind of made the point that we were just discussing. I said, listen, you can. I, if you don't, if Simone's art doesn't, if it doesn't suit you and it doesn't please you, I can totally get that. You can say whatever you want. But, I mean, the guy, if you've actually ever heard him in an interview or you know anything about him, I mean, he's a classically trained artist of, and he knows all types of mediums. He's He paints frescoes. I mean, the guy is about as, as classically trained as an artist as working in the medium today. So it's one thing to say, you know, his style doesn't work for you in terms of comics, but you can't call him a bad artist.
0: No, you know, so You're that, right. That,
4: but for me personally I I love his stuff and I haven't seen um this Astonishing X-Men but you know I'm a huge Deadpool fan and a Wolverine fan and he was doing those covers for Wolverine Origins there's a cover uh, there's a, a original piece of art of Deadpool face to face with Wolverine that I came so close to buying at New York Comic Con of his, and uh, I just I, I basically my wife would have filed for divorce if I came home with it, so, so I didn't buy it. But but I'm telling you, I, I really dig his stuff. So yeah, this,
2: uh, this looks really European. It's yeah. Ju- judging
4: close. by the uh, the first
3: issue, judging by 25 of Astonishing X Men, if if you thought his work on Wolverine, the Jeff Loeb written Wolverine, was good, I think Astonishing X Men blows that away. Because I wasn't a big fan of the Wolverine work. But mm-hmm. Chris is right. Astonishing X Men twenty five, that's some good comics right there. Sure.
2: Yeah. Now, now very,
0: very, one second. One oh, second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Vince is always. Mm-hmm. He
4: always likes to get his points in.
0: I do. W- w- when you, when you look at artwork, it's it's only natural to find a historical precedent for uh, a stylistic precedent that that. You know, so you can encapsulate what you feel about this artwork by saying, oh, yeah, it's a lot like this guy or it's very reminiscent of this because you always need an example. Right. It's very, it's very tough. To put a this. reference. Right. right. It's, t- it's tough to put this stuff in, into words. Right. I think that Simone is, is the modern equivalent of Alex Nino. Nice. Because he has that very unique way of representing the human form. Alex Nino, you could definitely tell an Alex Nino form. And, uh, have you ever noticed when Simone renders machinery or, or like say weapons or vehicles, they look organic. They, they, they look like there's a scene in X, in Astonishing X-Men 25 where there's this building or this, this, this pod type thing. I, I, I just flipped over briefly, briefly, but it looks like it was grown instead of, you know, steel, like smelted, or it looks organic. That Alex Nino was... That's what Alex Nino was known for. I think they both have... They're both playing in the same ballpark, basically. They don't draw like each other, obviously, but stylistically, the the, the similarities are really there. For me, anyway. Well, you
4: saw a lot of that in Shining Night.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: Where Simone... I think that was his first American comics work, right? But he he drew you know so much of that was very much organic because of the um well because of the characterizations that he was dealing with those there was a super futuristic world where organic and machinery had kind of come come become one but but i i totally get what you're saying Vince i think that's yes. very very apropos
2: yeah. i really enjoy his um his page layouts it's uh, you know that that's where that's where it gets to like the very european feel mm-hmm. for me is just the, the play, playing with geometric shapes and, you know, just very non-conventional um, uh, page layouts as far as, you know, like Western comics and that kind of stuff, but uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, who, who's the guy that did, uh, was it Jodorowsky? Am I uh, getting the name right? Um, oh, shit, Vince, you you, you know who I'm talking. Who, who did what? Um, oh, gosh. Um, it was a european comic uh meta barons, nah I gotta that, think about it it's it's escaping me, but uh, okay. a, a lot of the same the same feel it was you know that's one of the reasons I love elephant men is that it has you know Wadrone has you know that that very european style in comic,
5: oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah, but I'm sitting on a toilet and I'm thinking about
6: civil war, and what that meant the secret invasion. And what all the straws, what did they cause? And, and hero against hero, and a deeper cosmic revelation of what
2: it all could mean. Now I gotta take a shit. So I'll see LA. <laughs>
5: Now,
0: let's just drive this truck around the block and pick up David because he had something to say a while back and we kind of squashed him.
3: Oh, I was... Never. I was... uh, No, we we were talking about the positivity spin. And and just one thing that I want to really focus positively on is I went in... When I came home tonight, I went in, gave Renee a kiss goodnight and saw on the nightstand that she was reading and she started... uh, the deluxe edition or the new version, the new edition of uh, The Killing Joke.
5: Wow. Oh, very nice.
3: Can't the recolored, no. recolored version, right? I never saw anything wrong with the original color. I haven't read this one yet. She, mm-hmm. she, she ripped open the shrink wrap. She started it. So I haven't seen this particular version of it yet. But at least now, finally, she's reading a Batman story that we can actually talk about together because sure. we, we both and, have read it.
0: And she'll be primed for The Dark Knight.
4: Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the killing joke,
0: right,
4: one right. of the many many, many, many great reasons why everyone on that's a comics fan should have devoured Final Crisis number two
0: <laughs> that
3: I,
5: was I, good.
0: I was, I was waiting till go ahead:
4: yeah no, well, I mean obviously at page what is it page one or two in the member of the uh, Japanese <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: shirt the killing joke jacket yeah. yeah yeah oh, what a book. So far, that is my favorite single issue this year. Go ahead, wow. say it, David. I'm stunned. No, really. <laughs> no, <laughs> no.
3: I, now, all right, the only, I'm, I'm, I, and I believe I've, I may have posted this on the forum, I am reading, as of the second issue now, I am reading Final Crisis and enjoying Final Crisis solely for Grant Morrison, solely because of the story. The art, I'm not, I, I don't want to say that the art, oh, the art sucks. It's, it's a tad uneven in places for me from, for, for, as far as J.G. Jones is concerned. But Morrison, I'm I'm on board for what Morrison wants to do with this, and I and I started the first volume of of, of Seven Soldiers, so I'm I'm trying to get the backstory as I go along, but uh, I I have nothing bad to say aside from some panels, uh, art wise, I have nothing bad to say about Final Crisis. So by all means, to talk about whatever you want to talk about.
0: I mean, there is more, there are more concepts ping ponging through this issue than I think a whole year of some other comics. It, well, just, can I speak
4: to that for a second, Vince? Yeah, go ahead. It's something I want – I have to say, again, This, we're, I think unintentionally we, we never script these things, but we have a running theme here. I have to say, listening to some of the chatter on the boards and on different podcasts about Final Crisis, it's really frustrated me because the main complaint for those people that have an issue with this seems to be something along these lines. Well, it's just so hard to follow, and I feel like I have to read it more than once to really get at what's happening. That, to me, is so infuriating to hear because (laughs) here I sit and think, I mean, how many – I probably read, I'm going to say 90 to 100 comics a month, roughly, a lot of comics, right? And I don't think I'm alone there. Um, I'd say the average comic reader that's active on our forums or listens to podcasts is probably not that far from that. I mean, they're reading at least 30, 40 books a month. So they're reading a lot of comics, right? What's one of the most common complaints we have about our, about our, in- about our little newspaper? Not new getting
2: enough bang for my buck.
4: Yeah, not bang for buck. I'm paying three, four bucks an issue, and it's mm-hmm. taking me ten, ten minutes to read it, and then I forget what happens a month later. So shouldn't we be praising and deifying a book that actually would, is would worth rereading more people, than once?
2: Remember this people do not like to be challenged.
0: It's very true. Very
4: true. Well, I and, agree and, with you, it's, and it's, it's easier true. to bitch about something. It frustrates me, though, but because to my mind, Final Crisis was a book that demanded being reread more than once. And every time, I've read it three times, every time I feel like I'm that much closer to unlocking the keystone, and I feel that confident that when issue eight wraps up, it's going to blow my mind. Right. Just like and, Seven and Soldiers and did over 30, ish, 30 and, issues.
5: And
0: that proves my point, that... You get out of a comic what you invest in that comic or any work of art. If you're willing to immerse yourself in this four-color world, 22 pages, and give it everything you've got, which may require you reading it once, twice, three times, the more you put into it, the more you will derive from that work. It's just common sense. And, and, And as far as the thing being imperceptible or difficult to understand, it's not. You just have to he he's not pulling concepts out of his ass these are things that make sense based on other things that happened in the same book and, and or if, the, or if the issue before if you're
2: out there reading it and you're you're feeling a little lost don't after you read it a couple times don't be afraid to go into a into a thread on a message board or find some of these great blow by blow um, uh, recaps of it and yeah. and kind of get nudged in the right direction of what Morrison's doing. There's nothing wrong with that, right. and it's actually kind of cool to go. Oh, okay. It's I didn't know this sumo character had been around, right. you know, before. So that was that was great. To learn. Hey. Oh, hey, hey, Vince. That the comic I was trying to think of was Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky's The Techno Priest.
0: Techno Priest, right? Yeah, excellent. I have that. It's really good. Yeah. Anything Jodorowsky did is fantastic. But anyway, it, it, it all comes down to that instant gratification some of us require when, when reading these things. Like I heard a lot of complaints, or maybe not out-and-out out complaints, but just confusion based on the, the, the section where um, John Stewart got taken out. What the hell's going on? I don't understand this. It, we're not supposed to understand it now. All you, need to, all you need to know is John Stewart got taken out of the picture by something or someone. Dressed it, like it a green lantern. Well, was,
2: it was a confusing panel. Um, that's where I think JG, J.G.'s art kind of stumbled a little bit. That was a very hard to decipher panel. Or is that just me?
3: No, it just, was it was a wide arm? panel. Yeah, it was like an arm and sort of a torso. You couldn't tell where the head was supposed where The head might have been at the top of the panel, but yeah, the way was, the body might have been positioned. It, well, I, I know well, let, exactly me ask, what let me Chris ask you a question.
0: Saying. Let me ask you a question. What was the arm? W- what, what organization did that arm belong to? That's all I'm going to ask you. Oh, the, it was a Green Lantern uniform. That's all you need to know.
5: Yeah.
0: yeah. But what, really what nice. I'm I, I and think and, and I
3: think you kind of followed that though. Once once Kraken showed up and arrested or demanded Hal Jordan, you know, turn himself in. It's like, well, obviously, then if you didn't pick up on it in this panel, then you know, here here we're telling you on the next the next page. Right. It was a Green right. Lantern that, that, yeah, that, that attempted the, to murder. Hey,
4: spoilers, story. by the way, everybody. Yeah. yeah. yeah spoilers. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, know, and you know what? what?
0: I think, let me just add this to David's, and you can go. I think it's very significant that Hal Jordan was sleeping in both while wow, this was happening it, we, no, Oh, and in both. and in the first issue in the yeah first issue. got there late yep, right. yeah cuz yeah. John John was there first right that that's got to play into it morrison just doesn't say things uh, just for the sake of saying them or include things in the book that's got to be significant
2: pretty point mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. yeah. that was repeated but yeah it's uh by the end of the book we kind of figure out it's granny goodness who'd done it right
0: well we know that on the surface
2: it's
3: well, it granny goodness yeah that, and that's yeah. who that's who's been you know training i guess if you want to call it that these kids i mean there's you had uh and 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 speaking of our forms there's been talk about whether or not and actually and would even participated in this whether or not turpin is dark side or on the side of of good or well high father i'll give him high father i won't i won't say orion but uh Mm -hmm. so you know it's like it's it and i mean i i i see dark i mean i didn't i didn't see it in the first issue, but in the second issue, definitely. And then when Reverend good tells him your son, Caleb And as I said on the forum, that, that kind of cemented it and it could very well be a misdirect by Morrison. He could say, you know, well, maybe it might've been dark side as of this issue. Mm -hmm. And then he might throw you a curve. But as of right now, at the end of the second issue, I, I see dark side when I see Turpin. Now I see
4: dark side. Well, I think that, um, relative to the, my initial, um, Thoughts that it couldn't be Darkseid, um, because I think the, the, the obvious hint that I think is the most telling that it probably is Darkseid interpret is, of course, the, the scene where he's looking at himself in that cracked mirror, and obviously the cracks make it look like Darkseid's face, um, mm-hmm. but, but I guess my, issue you, or of, sure, well, right, that's where I said Orion, but then, um, David brought up the point of they refer- referenced him having a son, and I don't think we know that Orion has a son. But whatever, we'll see. I guess we'll find out. But but I mean, the 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 thing that I guess made me think it wasn't Darkseid at first was because we had the club owner of Club Darkseid, and I thought that was Darkseid, but what I didn't realize, and the same thing with Granny Goodness, is apparently, and I guess this is happening in, in other titles, um, something happened at the club where those characters died or something like that. And I guess what we're to gather is that I guess there was a reference in either the first or second issue of Final Crisis where where one of the new gods says these human bodies don't last very long. Or, right, really, right, right, right. Really. And I guess in that's the first
1: issue. Yeah.
4: Right. So at, after that second read through, I guess I've come along the sides. that probably is Darkseid, and it's just that. The human host is – they're burning through these human hosts. And so now Granny uh, – with Kra- with Kraken, I thought – when I first read it, I thought, oh, okay, so Kraken, it makes sense. She's from Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. She's a Green Lantern, an Alpha Lantern, and she must be one of the f- the female furies, Granny's furies. But now I think it's actually because apparently the Granny body was killed in, I think, Birds of Prey. I haven't read the issue, but as my understanding. She was killed in Birds of Prey. And I guess subsequent to that, we're now to think she's now inheriting the body of Kraken. So I, I guess what we're getting at is it seems that the new gods are inha- inhabiting the bodies of humans. And I guess they can't be in a given body for long, maybe unless it becomes a, a more permanent thing, which has yet to happen. So,
0: right. And there's, there's one element to the story that Matt and I were bouncing back and forth, and that's Mordokakis absolutely sure first introducing commandy number 9 how cool is that that mm-hmm. they're bringing <laughs> more, morrison's picking commandy's brand
4: and there
3: was even a commandy cameo in the second issue right sure
4: right. well so cameo. that last page do you take it to be that the black racer is chasing the flash and the bullet or is the flash trying to outrun the bullet to stop it from ever hitting orion well, uh, or
0: yeah, I- I think it's it's the f- the flash trying to catch the bullet, and it's a conceptual thing because Mortacacus, Mort death, Black Racer death. It's mm-hmm. it's that's Morrison tying the two together. And the bullet is laced with Mordokakis. If you look at it, it's got that little... No, no I, I agree with so, that. So, I, no, I, I think it's the Flash coming from wherever the Flash is coming from, <laughs> the, the future or whatever, but Fucking trying time to...
2: time-traveling bullets. I'm, yeah. I mean, how much more Morrison can you get? It's sure. so
0: cool. And, no, yeah, I think the Black Racer is there to pick up the pieces because wherever he's around, somebody's going to be escorted off into the source. So. But
4: so why is the Black Racer in a what looks to be new god form when all the other new gods haven't? Is it because he's already ascended to the fifth well, world he's and they haven't
3: death. death. Well, nah, but I would I mean he's he's death. I, I, but he's I a think new god, that isn't? would just
0: No, but he yeah. means the, the the visual appearance right? of the yeah, Black Racer yeah. is very very different. Is it just an updated Black Racer um Because he died in Death of the New Gods. Well, no, no, they all did. Which which we're not supposed to be, well,
4: we're supposed to be
3: referencing that, though?
4: All of the New Gods are inhabiting human hosts right now, or have yet to inhabit, but I guess presumably because we're going to see the ascendance of them into the fifth world. So I guess what I'm saying is, now, if either the Black Racer we're seeing in that panel is, I guess, from the future, in which case the fifth world already exists, or I'm wondering why then is the Black Racer already seemingly in a god form when the rest of them are all hanging out in human hosts? That's kind of what I'm asking.
0: Oh, I but guess I guess be, the question, my,
4: my interpretation of it was because we're seeing some; those guys are all coming from the future. And in the future, I would presume all the new gods, Black Racer included, have ascended to the fifth world.
0: Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be the future because remember Earth 51 in Countdown was... No,
4: uh, listen, do, do we really have wait, to? Wait, but we know that the bullet came back <laughs> through time. To get a right,
0: uh, right, of course, but I'm just saying it, it doesn't necessarily have to be mm. uh, through time, and it, they don't necessarily have to be coming from the same origin. The, Are, the black racer racer could be coming from point A, and and the sure. flash and the bullet could be coming from point B. I don't know. We'll just—it's something we'll just have to wait for. But it's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to wonder about it.
2: Definitely, yeah. I love the significance of where it happened. Oh yeah, oh where, yeah. I mean, it was the, the original meeting place of of Jay and Barry, right?
0: Yeah, it's where the Silver Age met the the, uh, the Gold Age.
2: It's where the multiverse started. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Sweet. Neato. Good Let's for move Grant. on bef- before David's toenails get all curled under. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, I, just, I try to throw just, you a bone. I'm I working know.
0: with you here, and I still <laughs> get well, shat on. Oh, I
4: well, can't I
3: believe mean, it. Speaking
4: I about just, giving credit where credit is due, yes. someone that I've made fun of on the show before and been guilty of it is having a really good week, and that's Mark Miller. Wanted was great. He's probably making a boatload off that. Kudos to him. I haven't seen it, but... Oh, you mean the movie that's
3: not based on an actual comic?
4: Well, whatever. <laughs> I thought we were being positive, regardless.
3: Yeah.
0: But, you know, the... the well, three the, out of
3: four ain't bad. Three of you guys can be positive.
0: The, He's, the, poten- the potential for seeing the big poo-poo guy on the screen and, and then not getting it, I don't know. That's okay. kind of a letdown
4: but for me. But the good go week that I'm talking about is that I have to say, as much as I've panned his Fantastic Four run and I haven't been picking up 1985... <laughs> I read the first issue of Old Man Logan and loved every single page of it. Really, I really did like it <laughs> a lot. No, I'm a Wolverine. I love apologist. Every
3: single page, but it was I'm pretty. A Wolverine
4: apologist, but I really did enjoy the first issue.
3: Now, what is that a miniseries? <laughs>
4: no, it's part of okay. it's
3: Wolverine. It's it's a it's a story arc inside of the Wolverine ongoing. Oh. It, they're they're doing what I what I applaud them of doing where instead of making a mini series or a separate series about this one story they're doing it in the actual ongoing series.
0: Well, why not? That's I mean, that's all I'm saying. The, yeah, isn't isn't that the the place to do it? I mean, I would think in, so. He's in every other X-Men book in the, in the, in, the <laughs> in the line. Why not?
3: I will I will give Miller that. He he works with some really talented artists. He, he <laughs> Wolverine Wolverine Omega, Logan <laughs> looks, yes, it is, it is. But that's he—he's he, he, he's not going to hear me over his money. He, he's not—he's. Uh, he, I, I like the way old man Logan looks. It's the first issue, I guess. You know, if you want to c- throw it back to Final Crisis, you know, the first issue it laid the foundation. If you want to see where it's going, you'll get the second issue. Read the rest of the story. Uh, but as far as a- after reading Get Mystique, after reading what Jason Aaron wrote and Ron Garney drew in the six issues before this. It. I don't want to say it's a letdown, but I was riding high during Get Mystique, and and here it's like, yeah, I'm 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 waiting for it to kind of catch up to what we've had before. Interesting,
4: interesting. I'm, I I like Ron Garney's art a lot, and wow. I thought Get Mystique was okay, but I have to say, I'm more excited after reading this first issue than I was. I guess.
0: Oh, did we lose him? Did we lose Jason?
2: I, I would. I have. A, uh, no, that's, that's a mute button.
0: F- hmm? <laughs> there
2: he
3: is. I, I, I see him, but.
6: Well, I'll be damned! Listen to eleven o'clock comics again, but that's not unusual. It's just that my iPod is full with lots of other crap, and here I sit. Singing on the telephone, just like I did before, a couple of podcasts ago, and it still isn't very funny. Don't you know it's a cast about comics and stuff? It's a kooky little podcast about comics and stuff! Comics! Comics and stuff!
2: those but yeah. well, hey while, while can... we're talk while we're talking about miller uh, and we're talking about wizard world chicago i have to flaunt my uh, one of my um finds there um found a new still in the shrink wrap uh absolute authority volume 2 for like 35 bucks wow <laughs> yeah can you not
4: hear me
0: yeah
3: i oh, got you there you,
2: you are. oh huh
0: you got you got bounced, buddy. I did. Yeah, live <laughs> it.
2: It was it, it was just so I could brag about finding the uh, Absolute Authority, um, Volume Two at, at Chicago. Yeah, yeah, S- cheap,
0: sweet for for less than eBay prices. Of
2: course, oh, yeah, less than cover. <laughs> yeah. I love
3: conventions.
0: Mm-hmm. I I picked up a, a shitload of five dollar trades. I. I have the whole Grimjack run, but there's Ooh. I do, but they're but they're so special.
2: <laughs> You're gonna make so, David so jealous.
0: Right. There's some there's something very special about maybe I should bounce about taking a a, a trade to bed with you, not having to worry about if you get it all <laughs> shitted up, you know what I mean? So I, I was what buying What kind of problems do
3: you have when you sleep?
0: No, I'm just saying. I, I was buying the IDW Grimjack Collections, which retail for twenty four ninety five. I was gonna and, say you have money to burn? No, so I bought the first two, and then when the third one came up uh, under the solicitations, I, I I had to cut it because I didn't want to add that much more to an already heavy month. So I stopped buying the Grimjack trades. Luckily for me, there was someone there who was selling the Grimjack trades for five bucks a pop. So I got the f- the fourth trade to the eighth trade for less than it would for about the same of what it would cost me retail for one of them.
5: Sweet. Damn!
2: Colony yeah. yeah. Man, Chicago was a great show. If you want to come in and buy stuff,
0: yeah. And how about that uh, uh, Kazuo Umezu's Cat-Eyed Boy? That thing I put on the on the yes. forum, what, last week. I picked up the first volume for five bucks. Oh. The ink's the ink's not even dry on it. <laughs> and, and then that's a twenty-four ninety-five book. I got aliens omnibus from Dark Horse, not cheap twenty four ninety five three volumes, five bucks a piece mm, nice and, and they, these are not remainders or used books, they're brand freaking new. You could walk into there on Sunday and pick up the entire trade paperback collection of Civil War for less well five bucks what would it cost you? How many are there like like six of them or seven of them like 42. So you, what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, but so I'm saying, unbelievable, and, and the ultimate Marvel stuff, just everywhere. Which you know, Chris mentioned it, and you know, like Marvel doesn't overprint. Give me a break. There were thousands yeah. <laughs> of, of Marvel trades available there for five bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just all over the place.
2: I got, nice I got, stuff. I got shit to read forever. I got that um, oh, real fun hardcover, The Legion of Monsters, uh, oversized hardcover. Yep really cool and i've been wanting to get it for a while because um it's got the first story that scotty young uh wrote and drew and there are really cool frankenstein Aww. story yeah so, and there's
0: um, some, there's a ted mckeever man thing in there too that's just
2: gorgeous. yeah there's some there's some old school stories in there yeah it's um really really cool uh, oversized hardcover if you want to learn a little bit about uh, the marvel monsters
0: and and getting back to uh, the DCBS box, I rip it open today, and what's waiting inside there for me but Walking Dead Volume 8, something I've been dying to read ever, ever since Chris called me and and says, oh, did you ever read, did you read Walking Dead 48? And I said, Chris, I read it in trades. I didn't get there yet. Oh, my God. He just went on and on and on about how amazing it was. And he was right. The the book is insane. It's it, It's just crazy what Kirkman did. The balls of steel on this guy to do what he he basically spoilers so
2: everyone relax.
0: No, 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 no! I won't <laughs> let anything out of the out of the bag. He basically changed the status quo of the entire series in like three issues. Mm. Just, just wow. a, a, almost literally wiped the slate clean.
5: Yeah.
2: Oh, Wood, uh, nice thread about uh, about Walking Dead this week. By the way, brought up some really cool conversation.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing. It was killing me not to go into that thread and see mm-hmm. what was going on, but now I can. You don't talk about forty-nine uh, and the upcoming fifty, do you? No, I haven't read them. Okay, good, cool. But and I'm thinking as I'm reading the book, if they ever make a Walking Dead movie, mm-hmm. which you know chances are very good that that may happen, how cool would it be if they cast Dave Windorf as the governor? He, he <laughs> is. He, he is. is the governor. Oh my God, he is. Oh, he'd be so perfect for that. And, and and now, whenever, you know, I'm, I'm, reading the, <laughs> I'm reading the book and I'm seeing Dave Windorf as this bastard.
5: Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You're so dead on.
0: <laughs> I, honest to God.
4: You know what's funny, Finn? <laughs> you haven't read that thread then?
0: No, I'm I'm planning on going into okay. it tomorrow.
4: Well, actually, the impetus for the thread was that I, too, got the eighth trade in my DCBS and read it. And I... Sort of had a crisis of confidence after reading it and thought I really? might be, I might be done reading reading Walking Dead for a bit.
0: It, it was heartbreaking. It was that the was a thing.
4: I mean, I just I, I and you'll see in the thread. It was essentially saying, look, I'm going to pick up the ninth trade because up until this point, I've loved every second of this series, and and I suspect that that. Because of the way the trade ended, in fact, some of my issues, which is that we've been in a bit of a rut, I think, are clearly going to be different now because the status quo has changed. But yeah, it was a heartbreaker, and I just it left me feeling so hollow and so
5: mm.
4: wondering whether or not his, his it, it, there was a really a point to this other than just that that life is pretty much desperate and impossible now in their world. I just was left wondering: is there really anything more to the story than just? repeatedly being reminded that there really is no hope for these people. Um, So I'm curious to see how the ninth trade goes because in that thread you'll see, although no one spoils anything, they do suggest that having read the next few single issues, people have assured me Mm -hmm. that that things go in a really new and interesting direction so that a lot of my frustration that I had left the eighth trade feeling have already been Obfuscated. So
2: I don't know. I just read fifty this week, and it's still very in the air. I Mm, mean, you you have no idea where the sucker's going, Mm -hmm. which is which is fun.
0: Well, I I think that hollow feeling is a pretty natural response to a world that's so bleak as Mm -hmm. as the one uh, in Walking Dead. the odds, just the, the very odds against these characters surviving, are almost insurmountable. Mm-hmm. When, when, when you have billions of dead people just trying <laughs> to eat you. It's, have
4: you? Have any of you guys read World War Z by Max Brooks? Sounds
0: no. very familiar. No, where? Who put that out?
4: Max Brooks. It's a novel. It's not a comic. It's a novel. But, oh, no.
2: uh, oh, 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 from the Zombie Survival Guide.
4: He, he wrote right. He wrote yeah. the Zombie Survival Guide, and then he wrote. Yeah, it's Mel, it's Mel, Mel
2: Brooks' son, isn't it?
4: Is it really? Oh, I didn't know that.
2: I, I, I think so. Wow! Well, I Vince, have if check. you haven't
4: read, if you haven't read World War Z, my friend, you have to read it. It is an absolute blast, and it's not dissimilar to the Walking Dead premise in that effectively, it is. There's been a, a, a worldwide zombie infestation, and almost, you know, I think less than one percent of the human population survives it. But it's written from the from the point of view of a very well traveled. Um, embedded journalist who covered the, the the entire zombie outbreak from beginning to end. And this is many years mm-hmm. later and he's just relaying different interviews he had throughout the whole process from start to finish. And it takes, you know, it's different people from all different walks of life and all different parts of the world and their perspective as it's happening all through the end of it. It is mm-hmm. really, really an awesome book. In fact, maybe cool. I'll just, maybe I'll just mail you my copy, but, um, but the point being though, and the reason I brought it up is that <clears throat> I was comparing the experience of reading World War Z to the experience I felt reading the Eighth Trade of Walking Dead. And I guess the difference is that by nature of World War Z being set years after the outbreak is finally contained, even though 99.9% of the world's population died off, you see that there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. In Walking Dead, I guess by design right now, I feel I'm not sure if there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like I'm not sure right now if Kirkman isn't going to eventually kill off every character we've been introduced to. Maybe that's his intent, but it's kind of hard to read that, at least for me, and and come away feeling good about it. And I I kind of feel like I read comics to to be entertained, and I wasn't at the end of eight. I felt worse for having read it than I was entertained by it.
5: Hmm.
0: Well, I technically he could have ended it with forty-eight. And it would have been the perfect Romero movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike Diary of the Dead, have you seen that? No. Romero's latest zombie movie, uh, not so great. There, there are moments of brilliance in it, but overall, not so great.
2: Uh, yeah. But B- Max B- Brooks, B- by the way, is uh, is the son of Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft. Oh, wow. yeah.
0: oh cool. Oh. But d- d- to get back to Walking Dead. I think the reason why you felt hollow is because, Mor- uh, Morrison, yeah, Kirkman has invested so much time into these characters and crafted them in such a believable way mm-hmm. that we feel like we know them. And then when something happens to them, like, they ha- like in issues uh, f- 47 and 48, mm-hmm. it, you're, you're almost uh, speechless. You don't know how to react, and that's what happens in the real world. Shit happens.
4: You're, you're, is- you're right. You're, you are right. In fact, I'm glad I started the thread And, again, kudos to our community, our little community, because the thread took me to a road where I'm now fully on board with reading The Ninth Trade and and with open eyes again. Whereas, literally, I wrote that thread hours after I finished reading The Eighth Trade and was thinking, all right, I'm done with this book for a while.
2: Well, you know, Walking Dead is the antithesis of what we're so geared to reading in mainstream comics where, you know, people, for the most part, are safe. and. Um, you know, Spider Man is going to be Spider Man, and you know the X Men. Yeah, it's it's kind of a joke that Jean Grey dies and comes back all the time, but mm-hmm. you know, that's that's not really that true. It's happened a few times, but uh, um, you know, I don't think that we're necessarily geared for reading comics where um, it, there's so much mortality. To it. And so yeah, it's it's a totally different mindset that you have to get into. It's just one of the things about indie comics that that I love is that there is there's really a sense of of danger with these characters. Mm-hmm. You you pick up Spider Man and you know at the end of it, Spider Man may change his character a little bit. But he's He's not going to get killed, and mm-hmm. he's going to go on to the next one. There's no you know real sense of danger a lot of the time, but independent comics you know that's it's a little bit different you know there's there's a feeling of danger right
0: and and when it comes right down to it the the narrative in Walking Dead is very much like the zombies that inhabit the book. It's this slow, lumbering beast that takes its time to get to you. Or when, when Kirkman thinks it's ready, but once those. I mean, there's always the potential for danger when there's a zombie in your yard. And, and it's just that when it gets close enough, when the time is right, you either. You know, it, that's when the action happens, and, that, and that's Walking Dead or in a nutshell. It, it takes its time to get there, but when it gets there, brother, it pays off big. Uh, the, uh, I won't reveal any names, but that one scene where the outcome of the two individuals that tried to do something on their own without telling another individual the, 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 culmination of that person's efforts. Oh my God, that was brutal. It was like, it was like Kirkman said, okay, I'm going to, sh- I'm going sh- uh, to uh, throw you in face first into death and rub your face in it. Not only once, but like three times, just this unbelievably brutal scene that just it knocked me on my ass. It was a great, great book. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And guess what? In order to keep Tiki out of the hospital, we should call <laughs> it a, 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 a day with this one. All right. Uh, we did get a couple questions uh, PM'd uh, to me from forum member Azenfist, and we're going to cover those next time for sure.
2: And I'll be back uh, drinking next week. Though.
0: Yeah. We ran a little right. long this time, and, well, we had a lot to talk about with Chicago, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it next time.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I always look forward to Wednesday night with you guys. You betcha. Everybody oh, yeah, have yeah. a good Fourth of July. Rest in peace, Mike.
0: Yeah. Same here. Thanks for the work. Couldn't say it better myself.
2: Read Witchblade.
0: Yay! Read Witchblade. <laughs> oh,
2: <my laughs> there
0: you go. You got a Mike. You got a Mike Turner link there too. <laughs> cool. We'll see you next week, guys.
5: Bye bye. Take care. Take care.